The Money Show. Business Unusual. Take me to a livable wage, Graham Codrington. Graham is a futurist. He's a partner tomorrow, today. You want to go beyond a minimum wage, this idea that people can survive on 23 rand 10 or whatever it is an hour, and you say we need to be thinking of a livable wage. What is the big difference? Uh, good evening, Bruce. So the the difference is that a minimum wage is set normally by a government in a country, and it's sort of making sure that somebody has the absolute basics to be able to to stay alive. If, however, you look at uh, somebody who is employed and you ask, in addition to the food you need to eat and maybe the rent or the mortgage payment you need to make, what other costs are involved in living your life? Not an extravagant life, but in living your life. And that may include school fees. Uh, It may include additional expenses. You might have debts that you have brought with you from earlier on in life that you need to pay off. And uh, a good example of a company that tried to do this is PayPal. A number of years ago, the, the PayPal and a new CEO arrived, and he really felt that uh, people, especially the, the lower level workers or the lower paid workers at PayPal, uh, just seemed to always be scrambling in, in their lives, always just seemed to be anxious about life. And he what he wanted to do was to make sure that after they had paid off all of their absolute essentials and their reasonable living costs, that they still had 20% of their salary left after that. And and he called this their net disposable income amount. So he, he thought that that was reasonably fair. And when he did a survey of the staff, he discovered that many of them had less than 2% of their salary left after they had just done sort of the, the the minimum in the month. And so what PayPal then did was they they raised people's salaries and they moved them to a point where they had this 20% left. So now they can pay off debts. They could maybe get one or two little treats and luxuries for themselves. But what they also did was they removed the worry uh, the worry that you don't have savings, the worry that you're a few weeks away uh, from financial ruin. And they discovered at PayPal and, and other companies we can talk about in a second have done even more dramatic things. They discovered it increased productivity, it increased motivation, it increased loyalty, and it increased people's contributions. And uh, PayPal is a great example, but many companies have done this. So we, we leave that concept of just making sure our workers have got enough to scrape by using the government's minimum wage. And we look more to giving people a livable wage that allows them not not to be rich and famous, uh, but to live, let's use that word, comfortably. And it's an astonishing fact, I suppose, and I mean, there are many more case studies to this, that you become an employer of choice. It starts becoming an attractive place to work. You can ask a little bit more of your talented staff. You can ask your teams to work a little harder, perhaps a little longer, perhaps to give a little bit more of their free time. You can start saying to people, you know, we're in this together and actually mean it. 
Well, you know, there's a huge phrase that we don't talk about often enough in business, and that is discretionary effort. And really, you know you're getting something right as an employer when you see that happening. If people feel that you're paying them more because you want to squeeze them harder, I, I, I think that probably goes against uh, the business unusual theme I'm, I'm, I'm trying to bring this evening. What you're trying to do is you're trying to say to people, we will treat you well. And then in return, you will begin to see discretionary effort. You will begin to see some generosity. Uh, another example, uh, which uh, illustrates this perfectly, is a Canadian company that if, if anybody follows this kind of stuff, they would have seen Dan Price. He's, he's really uh, vocal about the experiment that he started at his company, Gravity, which is a payments processing firm in Canada. And they got about 120 employees seven years ago. And he decided that he was going to double the salaries of the, the, the entry level so that nobody in his business would earn less than $70,000 per year. To, to give you uh, some comparison, uh, minimum wage in Canada is about $27,000. People were earning sort of $35,000 as entry-level staff. He said, no, we're just doubling that. And uh, he, as I say, he started it seven years ago. Now, the company has tripled its revenue since then, doubled their customer base. So all the things that you would hope would go right have gone right. It's been a great case study. But then, of course, COVID hit. And his company, like many others, uh, were, were hit was hit quite hard. And he went to his staff and he said, look, guys, I think we might have to retrench staff. And voluntarily, all of his staff agreed across the board uh, <laughs> to take pay cuts in order to make sure that nobody uh, had to had to be retrenched at all. So he got that sense of generosity, uh, that motivation, that resilience even from people, and and they've recovered very quickly uh, after COVID. Uh, people should follow Dan Price. Uh, it's a grand experiment worth watching. Uh, it, is it more applicable in smaller businesses? I mean, somebody like Dan Price was employing 120 people. It becomes easier, I suppose, in that controlled environment than if you are a massive corporate employing 10, 20, 30, 40,000 people. Well, you know, everything's a matter of scale. Uh, Dan Price had to take quite a significant, he took a million dollar personal drop in his salary to fund it. So some might argue it's harder in a smaller business because you don't have as much capital and reserves. But we can go to history, uh, Bruce, for probably the first example of this, and that was Henry Ford. More than 100 years ago, one, uh, the story goes, uh, one weekend, Henry Ford was thinking about how he could expand his, his rapidly growing empire. Empire, the Model T Ford was purring nicely off of the manufacturing lines. And he wondered to himself, do any of the workers on the factory line, are any of them able to afford the Model T Ford? And he just didn't know. He, he was out of touch uh, with, with the common man, if you like. So we went back to his uh, actuaries and, and accountants and he said, well, you know, what does somebody have to earn in order to be able to buy a Model T Ford? Uh, in, in today's language, he might have been asking, how much do you have to earn to be middle class? And he discovered, as it happened, that his laborers were earning about half of what it would take to buy a car. And he instructed his company, Henry 
Ford's motor company that was one of the largest companies in the world at the time to double the wages literally overnight. Of course, everybody freaked out. Everybody else in the rest of the industry uh, petitioned him, told him he was crazy, also begged him to not do it because, as you say, it creates an employer of choice standard within the industry. People are now lining up outside of Ford's factories to say, please, can we work for you? And it worked. Uh, again, it, this, with, with the hindsight of a century and lots of economic case studies written about it, uh, it had exactly the same effect that PayPal and Gravity and other companies have seen. So, uh, Bruce, yes, <laughs> it, it takes maybe a lot more guts to do it at scale. And when you've got shareholders breathing down your neck, waiting for the next quarterly results, it takes a bold CEO to think like this. But I think that the data is on the side of this un usual approach that mm. if all you're doing is looking at the bottom line and trying to squeeze your workers for the minimum possible wage that you can pay them, you might do better this quarter uh, and your shareholders might smile at you in the next annual results, but long-term, you're missing out on increases in productivity, motivation, loyalty, generosity, and all the things that make a company sustainable and ultimately more profitable as well. Absolutely. So it's a case of really just changing thinking, I suppose, around the way in which we measure the value of remuneration generally, just like and, and how we think about remuneration. It's not going for the, the, the least possible cost. It's going for the best return you can get on that investment in people. Yes. And I, I think, Bruce, the point I want to make is that it can be data driven. So it's not just a thumb suck, although I've selected examples that sort of doubled salary here and doubled salary there and so on. I think PayPal's uh, example is very illustrative. They went about doing research, getting empirical data about this concept of net disposable income. And, and they I probably randomly chose 20%, but that feels like a, a good number economically. And, and that's the livable wage concept. So it's not a case of just choosing a random number or caving in to a labor union demand, which typically says, well, we want double digits, you want single digits. None of those feel very data-led. You can do this in a data-led way where what you're trying to do is to make sure that every employee who works in your business uh, can cover the essentials of life, that's your minimum wage, then can cover the next layer of costs, which is the, the costs that people would be concerned about. And that would be education for their children, unexpected healthcare costs, paying off debts. Uh, and, and then there's that extra 20% that allows them to just begin to feel a sense of comfort and ease. So they're not going to bed and waking up in the morning anxious about their financial situation. So it's not throwing money at, at, at workers. It's not caving into every worker demand, but it's about maybe uh, other words we could use, treating the people who work in your business with a bit of dignity and a bit of humanity and giving them a wage that allows them to live uh, in in a, a way that reduces their anxiety uh, and then allows them to give you what you are wanting from them. Wonderful. Thank you, Graham Codrington. He's a futurist. He's a partner at Tomorrow Today, and he's got a dog. Uh, business unusual, of course, with Graham Codrington this evening. The ability to upscale 
or downscale your staff with ease gives your business the flexibility needed for success in volatile times. Take the guesswork out of managing personnel and rely on Workforce Staffing's compliant nationwide staffing solutions. Visit workforcestaffing.co.za to let your business thrive. Workforce Staffing, your preferred staffing partner.